Thank you, Lord. I just want to give myself away. I just want to give myself away to Him. Just want to be used by Him for His glory. Thank you, Lord. Lord, take my heart, take my mind and my soul. Take all of me. Hallelujah. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We are honored and blessed today with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you can have his presence, you are blessed. Amen. You're blessed. You are blessed when his presence is here. His presence is here. And even greater when you yourself can feel and we too can see the presence of the Lord. You are you are blessed. Amen. You are blessed. We give praise and honor and glory to our Father. We want to continue what we call a part two to what we the Holy Spirit shared on Wednesday night. We found it to be so awesome for what the Lord shared on Wednesday night. So fit uh, that God would bring a part two. And for those of you that um, wasn't present on Wednesday night, I want to kind of fill you in about what God spoke to us in order for us to get to part two. We need to fill you in. Father, bless your word. Bring all things back to my remembrance. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We spoke uh, on Wednesday through the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about when God enters your storm. So we talked about on Wednesday. 
when God enters into your storm. And he showed us uh, in the book of Matthew and also in the book of Mark that um, about how God enters into your storm. And, and in Matthew, he, he, he dealt with us with about the two fish and the five loaves of bread and how the disciples was given, given it by Christ to, to break and distribute it to the multitude. But we also discovered that the lesson, and even though how awesome that it is and how awesome that it was, that that particular passage has a a greater meaning that oftentimes we miss it. We've always focused on the two fish and the five loaves of bread. However, when you take a closer look, we discover that the lesson was all about the disciples. When it comes down to miracles, and in that particular text when talked about the miracles, God does not allow you to just allow you to see his miracles, but he will allow you to become a partaker of the miracle. And that was one of the things that, that God revealed in, in that particular text, how he allowed his disciples to become a partaker of that particular miracle. But the interesting thing that we found was that he sends the multitude away that he was feeding, but he told his disciples to go to the other side. And it's this is something about going to the other side. We have to be spiritually fed and broken before we can go to the other side. Oftentimes people feel like you got to be broken first. But see, God, what God does is he, he feeds us spiritually. That's what he did with the multitude. And then he, he, he challenged his disciples with their faith. And why they go over to the other side, because it, he sends, remember now, he sends the multitude away. But what he does is he tells his, he tells his disciples to go to the other side. When they go to the other side, they find themselves in a storm. Anytime we're about to go to the next phase or the next place in our destiny, then we're going to enter into a storm. And, and the amazing thing that we also discovered was the fact that, and, and Mark so beautifully shares it, is that when they find themselves in the storm, that God is on the mountaintop, Christ is on the mountaintop, and he is seeing everything that they are going through. He's seeing them toiling. He's seeing them rowing. He, he's seeing them in, in, in a state of, of, of a fright. He, he sees them being afraid and fear, but he is looking up on them. So whenever we're going through our storm, then we have to understand that Christ sees what we're going through. Amen? And because he sees, he never really takes his eyes off of us. He never takes his eyes off of us. And in the process of them going through the storm, they see this, this form, they see this figure walking on the water. And 
and they are afraid and, and, and they cry out and they said it was a spirit. But what, they, what was happening was God was revealing who he actually is. Because, see, God is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit and truth. So, the, so that spirit that was walking on that water, so he's, he's revealing himself to them. But they thought he was a ghost. One translation said they thought he was a ghost. Oftentimes, God comes into our lives and in different forms, and oftentimes we do not recognize him. Amen. But he will show up in the midst of our storm. And what we have to do, we have to invite him to come into our storms. We have to give God, give Christ an invitation. And then that one thing that, that, that Mark said was that, that when they got out of the boat, when, 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 when things changed, the Bible said that they knew him. So, in other words, in your storm, or in your storms of life, as God revealed to us on Wednesday, that we will get to know him when we're in our storm. Amen. And when we come up out of our storm, we'll recognize the fact that, oh, my God, that was God all the time. Amen. And, and part two this morning, we, we want to go to part two. We would like to invite your attention, amen, to the book of St. John, chapter number six. St. John, dealing with part two. Because, see, part one is in, when God enters into your storm, and we talked about those broken pieces and that fragment and we have to become broken you know we have to become broken before we can come to know who he is now saint john chapter number six is where we're going to begin which is a portion of where we were and this morning the the title if we need a title will be called broken pieces broken pieces saint john chapter number six broken pieces begin reading we're going to begin reading at verse number 12 remember now remember now matthew and mark describes the same story but here we are now in john and there's something else god wants us to get from that text Verse, num- verse number 12 says, When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that, that's what, that remain, that nothing be lost. What God is saying, he said, I can use <laughs> your broken pieces. See, don't throw away your broken pieces. God says, I can use your broken pieces. And we're going to go to a text that will will show us how God uses your broken pieces. He says now, he says now, he tells the instructions to his disciples, the learners, because he wants us to know that don't throw away the bad part of your life because you want everything to be good. (laughs) He said, you gather up those pieces too. He said, because I won't be able to use them. And he said, I don't want anything, nothing lost. Everything that we go through in life, it has a purpose. 
And God will use those things that happens in our life, and he will bring good out of those things. Now, the next thing now, in verse number 13, it says, watch the instructions of Christ. Watch the instructions. He says, therefore, meaning the disciples, the learners, they gathered them together and filled Twelve baskets with the fragments, the broken pieces, of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Now, the key word besides uh, the fragment, which means broken pieces, that we want to focus there on is the number twelve. The number twelve there means the divine purpose of God in man. So whatever that's happening in our lives or has happened, it has been God's divine purpose in your life. It's God's divine purpose. Your, even your broken pieces. I don't know about y'all, but oftentimes I want to discard my broken pieces. Amen. That, that's, I have a dear friend, she would always say, she said, there's some pieces, uh, that's in the puzzle I don't want to put in the puzzle. Because you know how it is with a puzzle. you got all these different pieces that has to fit in to make the whole. Now, there are some pieces, broken pieces, that go into that puzzle that sometimes I just don't want to put them in the puzzle. Amen. Am I the only one that, that, that want to discard them broken pieces? You don't want those broken pieces to help make up the whole. And see, those broken pieces are necessary. Amen. That They are necessary. Now, let's go now, let's go to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel. This is where we're, gonna, we're going to reside in 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. 2 Samuel, chapter number 9. And we're going to look at verse number 1 in chapter number 9. Remember now, broken pieces. Broken pieces. He said, gather up those broken pieces. Don't let nothing remain. Amen. Now, 2 Samuel chapter number 9, verse number 1, it says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? I want to show him kindness. Now, David is king. Jonathan is the son of Saul. Now, Jonathan also means uh, Jehovah's gift. Now, verse number two says, And there was the house of Saul, a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. Now, let's look at verse number three. Verse number three says, And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Zebra said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is what on his feet? He is lame. Hmm. He is lame on his feet. 
Now, when we look at that word lame, when we think about that word lame, we think about a person that's crippled or there's some uh, um, deficiency. Something has transpired that he's not operating in this totality. See, the word there, lame, means that he was crippled in his spiritual understanding. You're going to get it in a minute. Because many of us are sometimes crippled in our spiritual understanding because we want to discard our broken pieces. Amen? So he's crippled now. He's crippled in his spiritual understanding. All right. Now, looking at verse number four. No, let's go to chapter number four. Let's go to chapter number four. Flip over in 2 Samuel, chapter number 4, in 2 Samuel. Now, looking at verse number 1. We're going to look at verse 1 first to see how he actually gets there. In chapter number 4, 2 Samuel. Remember now, he's crippled in his spiritual understanding, brokenness. Verse 1 says, And when Saul's son heard... That Abner, Abner means father of light, was dead in Hebron. Hebron means friendship. His hands were feeble, and all the Israelites were troubled. In other words, Saul and Jonathan had just died. He was killed in battle. Okay? Watch verse number four. This is what happens. This is how we end up with broken pieces. Verse number four says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was crippled in his spiritual understanding. The Bible says he was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. Now, the word Jezreel means may God give seed. Okay? So he's crippled in his understanding. And and the place that he hears of the tidings is the place where God is giving seed. Looking at the latter part of verse 4, it says, And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Now, the things here we, we need to look at. How he ended up. Crippled in his spiritual understanding. He was dropped by his support system, his nurse, his caretaker. He became broken when he was dropped. You know how you have trust and faith in somebody and they drop you? For a minute, it will cripple you in your spiritual understanding because you don't understand the brokenness. Amen. All right, so, so, so here it is now, now, in, in her haste, in her haste to save his life, she cripples him in his understanding. Have you tried to help people? And in your haste, and, and when you want something so bad, if you're not careful, you can cripple them in their spiritual understanding. So, so that's how he ends up being crippled because she, she, she ran in haste. And, and the name, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Before he fell, he was not lame. 
Y'all catch that? Before he fell, before there was a fall, he was not crippled in the spiritual understanding. Because, you know, sometimes you can have worldly understanding. Still be crippled. But the worst type of crippleness is spiritual understanding, being spiritually crippled. Amen. So, so, so here it is now. His name is Mephibosheth, which means the speller of shame. Because of his spiritual crippleness, now he is dispelling shame everywhere. He has taken on the identity and he has defined himself, not recognizing who, who or what his true identity is. Now he is basing his identity upon his handicap. Have you ever compared yourself to somebody else? <laughs> and in and, and your own mind, you think they all this and they all that and it will cripple you. Because you think they're more than you are. And the reason being is because you don't know who you are. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? See, once you get to know who you are, you cannot become crippled in your spiritual understanding because of what someone else has or what knowledge they may have or what they may possess. You got that? So, so we have to understand now, we have to understand now, he, he, he has a problem. He has based, huh, he has based his handicap. This is how he has defined himself by his, oh yes Lord, by his shortcomings, by his weaknesses, and by his past mistakes. Does anybody allow their past mistakes to cripple them in their spiritual understanding? Because see, until you know who you are, and, and the love and what the blood of Jesus Christ does and has done for you, then you cannot become crippled in your spiritual understanding. Because people do not know who they are because they are still crippled in their spiritual understanding. You have to understand who this young man was. He was the next heir. He was the king's son. But yet he took on a form, he took on an identity because of his handicap and it took him some places he ought not to have gone or ought not to have experienced. Now let's, let's, let's walk, let's walk, let's walk this. Let's go back now to Second Samuel. Second Samuel, chapter number nine. Going back to Second Samuel. Second Samuel, are we there? Second Samuel, chapter nine, looking at verse number four. Remember, he's crippled in his understanding. Broken pieces. Broken pieces. Verse number four says this. And the king, David, the beloved, and the king said unto him, Where is he? Do you not know God is always on a hunt for you? <laughs> he says, Where is he? And Zeba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Micah, the son of Amir, uh, in Lodabar. Now, what does all that has to say? Because, you know, a lot of times we read these names because they are difficult to pronounce. We don't really research and see what these names mean, right? Can I get an amen? Because we're witnessing to the truth, right? The first thing now, it says now, it says, when he asks where he is, he says, and Zebra said unto the king, he's in the house of Micah. Now, the word Micah, them, it, it means he's in a place of bondage. 
He's in a place of bondage. He has been deprived of his freedom. See, when you're a cripple and you have, you have, you're crippled in spiritual understanding, do we not understand that we are deprived of our freedom? That we're still living in bondage? <laughs> when we don't know who we are in God, we are still living in bondage. So now, now, he, he's, he's find himself in bondage without freedom. Okay? And then he says, he's also, when he talks about he's in the house of Michael, a place of bondage, he says he's the son of Emilio. Now, our son is a builder. Remember that he's the king's son. We are kings and priests. We got that? We're sons. We are builders. But what does the word Emilio mean? What is he saying? That word that means the people of God. He, he's in a place of bondage. He's been de- deprived of his freedom, but his, his, his job is as a son, as a builder, he's to build the people of God. But because he had been crippled in his spiritual understanding, he goes down to a place called Lodabar. Lodabar. He goes to a place called Lodabar. I wonder how many of us have visited that place called Lodabar. Huh? Well, you say, well, what does that word Lodabar mean? It means, first of all, it means without order. No leader. He's not governed or rebellion. No shepherd. He's in a place of barrenness, which means without a pastor. I don't mean P-A-S-T-O-R, but without a grazing land where he can eat and fill himself spiritually. Amen. We've got to be fed spiritually or else we'll be in that place of Lodabar. Without speech, we're not able to communicate. In other words, we are dumb. I don't mean literally that type of dumb that we call people dumb sometimes. But he's, he's, he's without knowledge to the understanding of who he is. So because of his brokenness, he shows up in a place, and I keep hearing this word, and I keep trying to reject this one word I'm hearing, and that one word is depression. You see, depression can, is, can be your Lodabar. I, I don't know who that word is for, whether it's for the house locally or for, whether it's for the world, but God is letting us know if you're operating in a place of depression, you're living in Lodabar. You're living in, in, in Lodabar. And he says now, he says, you should be grazing, but see, you don't have no shepherd or you don't know have no pastor, anything to, to feed you. You're in a place of barrenness. In other words, you're not birthing anything. Amen. And the reason why is because you are a son, you are a builder, you're supposed to be building the people of God. How many have been building people lately? Think about it. Or have we been in a place called Lodabar where we have been deprived of the things that we need because sometimes we make ourselves feel less than. Anybody been there? Less than? Amen. 
But, 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 the, but the reason why is because we don't know who we are in God. Don't know who we are in God. Now, let's continue now. Let's continue. Let's continue. Now, his brokenness has taken him to a place of bondage, being crippled in his understanding. And he's no longer doing the job he needs to be doing of building people because he is in those places that he does not need to be. Oh, depression, anxiety, frustration, irritation, and the list goes on. Amen. Amen. Hey, low self-esteem. The list goes on. Amen. It goes on. Now, now, looking at now, verse, verse, verse number five. We're almost done. Verse number five. It says, Then King David sent and fetched him, the beloved, out of the house of Micah. The first thing God will do for us, he will take us out of that place of bondage. While you're in your brokenness. While you're in your brokenness. He says, the son of Amelia from Lola. He takes us from that place. The first thing God does. He takes us from that place. He sends for us. Come out of Lodabar. Come out of bondage. And then verse number 6 says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, praise God for receiving the invitation, he fell on his face and did reverence, and David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold my servant. You see how God is calling him his servant while he is in the state of brokenness? It's something about our God. Amen. He, he called him servant, one that serves the master. Even in the midst of his brokenness, he's calling him from that place of bondage because he wants to deal with the brokenness. Now, now, verse, verse, verse number seven says, verse number seven, it says, And David, the beloved, said unto him, Fear not. The first thing he addresses is his fear. Fear is a dangerous thing. <laughs> fear will keep us in bondage. It will keep us in bondage. He says, he says now, for I will surely, this is a promise, show thee kindness for Jonathan than thy father's sake and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father and thou shalt eat bread at my table continuously. God says, not only he says to him, you come out of that place of bondage, but he says, I am going to restore. He says, I am going to restore all that your father had, all that was supposed to come to you. God says, restoration will come. You see, Regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it may seem like, restoration is here. <laughs> restoration is here. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Restoration. God's going to restore. I don't know what somebody may have lost, you know, locally or whether he may have lost all over the world. But God said, there's coming a season of restoration. Hallelujah. There's coming a season of restoration. So take your eyes off of depression. Oh, I don't have this. Or I can't do this. Or I can't go here. Listen. 
Dr. Manley and I went the other day. I got tickled. I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, we look like a third world country. We go to the restaurant. It's been almost two years, I guess, since we've been out to eat. We used to drive through and get it, you know. So we decided to go uh, to the restaurant here in Boiling Springs, and we walk in. The only people that were present was three people. They were servers and us. That made five people in the restaurant that normally house a whole lot of people. And we were the only two people in the restaurant. In the entire restaurant, we were the only two people eating. And by the time we finished what we had to eat and we'd get up and leave, three more people came in. And I said, Lord, if this is not a third world country, I don't know who it is. Because I looked at and and then the things that we wanted to order, one waitress asked the other waitress, she said, do we have this? They had a limited menu that you can choose from. It was sad. It was very sad. Very. It was very sad. But 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 my eyes. I I began to look around and and I'm like God, what is really going on? There's a lot of other things going on besides what what we see now. Besides the season of restoration coming because it's coming. Look at the promise. The promise tells you in your brokenness. The promise is you are going to be able to eat at the Father's table, bread, at the Father's table continuously. Even in your broken condition, the Father gives you an invitation to come and sit at his table. Is that not awesome? Even even in our our state of, of, of mind and condition that we're in, God said, come on and sit at my table. And I just don't want to give you one meal. He said, I want to feed you continuously. See, that is what God is saying. To, he said, I want to feed you continuously. He said, to come away from that crippled spiritual mind. And this is the last verse. And look what verse number Eight says, verse number eight. Verse number eight says, and he bowed and said, "What is thy servant?" This is what happens when you got you're spiritually crippled in your mind. He says, "What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a what a dead dog as I am?" See, when you're in a state of brokenness, when you are spiritually crippled, you will, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. You will define yourself as the world defines you. He saw himself. His perception of himself was a dead dog. A dead dog is useless. There's no, no profit in a dead dog. That's how the, the king's son, the builder of God's people, saw himself. But he had been broken because he had been dropped. Some of you out there had been dropped. 
And you can't seem to get up. It's because we don't know who we are. And God is calling you back to the table. So, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. I don't know who this word is for, but he said, I heard the Spirit say, some folk has left the king's table. Then left the king's table. We don't want to leave the king's table. Because if we leave the king's table, we will become spiritually crippled forever. But the beauty of it, the wonderfulness of it is, God is saying, come to me. Sit at my table in your brokenness. That's an awesome invitation. That's an awesome, awesome invitation. Come to me. Sit at my table. And if you know, whenever, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Whenever you're sitting at a table, remember now, the Bible said he was, as the passage of Scripture says that he was lame in both feet. Starting off, it never told us he was lamed in both feet. It said he was just lame. But when you sit at the Father's table, and when you think about a table in the natural, when you sit down at the table, you can't see your feet. You can't see your brokenness. So when you are sitting at the Father's table, you can't see your brokenness. Our people can't see your brokenness when you're sitting at the Father's table. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You'll still be walking around with a smile and still be broken. And people won't even know it. (laughs) You'll still be going through. Having a hard time trying to make it. And And people will have no idea that because you're sitting at the Father's table, that's how you're making it. Your brokenness is there. But God has covered your brokenness because you receive the invitation to sit at his table. Brokenness. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I pray, I pray to God, I pray to God that you have received the word. You have received. Some people are broken. <laughs> 